I also think it's more important that we tune into ourselves than all the noise out there that's telling us to do things or take things or eat a certain way that isn't necessarily right for us, that can be more triggering. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. There's a question we got to get better at asking ourselves, especially when we are struggling with a symptom or disease. And the reason why this question is so important for you to consider is that you are unique. How I may get an autoimmune disease and how you may get an autoimmune disease may be wildly different. And how I reduce my symptoms versus how you reduce your symptoms is going to be different too. Yes, we may adopt similar lifestyle habits around sleep, eating, and supplementation, but our approaches will be different. That's why I always ask myself when it comes to my health, especially when I'm confronted with an illness or disease, what are my health non-negotiables? And what I mean by that is, what are the things that are 100% true for me when it comes to healing my body? For instance, when it comes to keeping my Hajimoto's disease at bay, how long and when I exercise matters, how much sleep matters, and certain self-care rituals really matter. There are healing rituals, foods, and supplements that are an absolute must, or I don't feel good at all. And despite all the labs out there and even the -the state-of-the-art diagnostics in our hospitals, no one knows your body or my body better than us. And no one is checking in with your body as often as you are, and they never will be. Even your close partner is not going to know everything. This is so critical to our optimal healing journey, especially if we tune into this every single day. Now, back in March, I decided that it was time to reevaluate my health and to get clear on my health non-negotiables. I ended up sharing this on the podcast. And those health non-negotiables ended up being that I committed to walking every single day by myself, taking my supplements that are a major game changer for me, stepping up my fiber intake, keeping my blood sugar levels stable, and meditating for 15 minutes a day. And wow, I cannot tell you how different of a person I have felt in the past two months relative to the winter time. Now, if you are wondering, how do you even begin to dig deep and discover what your non-negotiables are? Well, that's why I brought on Andrea Nakayama to the podcast today to talk about creating agency over your health, along with some tools to help guide you, including tracking and journaling. Now, probably one of the greatest tools that I use every single day is my daily self-care journal. I know that consistency is the name of the game when it comes to creating optimal health and just feeling good. My self-care journal was designed to help you create consistency and tap into your affirmations, your health rituals, and intentions for the day. Two affirmations that I write down every single day, and I even say on my walk, are, it feels good to feel good. And I start my day energized and inspired. These two affirmations just take me to another level. So I'm super stoked to be able to share this with you. If you are looking for something that is powerful yet simple, a tool to support your habits and your rituals, and you know that you only have five minutes or less to set the tone for your day and life, 
The Daily Self-Care Journal is the perfect thing for you. I'll tell you what, as a mama to a toddler who this week alone, I lost my nanny. It's been a juggling act every single day to be able to lock in those non-negotiables for me. The journal has been the greatest gift. So I'm going to have the link in the show notes for the journal, or you can go to drmarisa.com slash journal to go and order one for 33% off today. So it's a great deal. And you also can get a bundle of three for, I think, almost 50% off in case you've got friends and family members that you know would benefit from it as well. Now, I'm super stoked to kick off this conversation with Andrea, but before I do that, I want to quickly sing her praises. As the host of the 15-Minute Matrix podcast and the founder of Functional Nutrition Alliance, Andrea is leading thousands of students and practitioners around the globe in a revolution to better solutions to growing chronic illness issues. By highlighting the importance of systems, biology, root cause methodology, and therapeutic partnerships, she helps historically underserved individuals reclaim ownership of their health. Woo, let's welcome Andrea to the show. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Andrea, honey, how are you doing today, girl? I am so good, and I'm so excited to be here with you, Marisa. Mm, I am so excited to have you here as well. We are talking about an, an area that millions of women are struggling with, and that is autoimmunity. And, and so often in that struggle, and or any struggle that we may be having, whether we're dealing with chronic fatigue, or we're dealing with insulin resistance, or just not feeling like we've got enough energy to get through the day, so much of that is about owning our health story. And I know that you have such an incredible health story yourself that is really catapulted you into educating so many people around the world about how to own it, how to manage their nutrition, and most importantly, also how to address the autoimmune condition. So I would love for you for just a moment to kind of just share your own journey and kind of that defining moment for you, Andrea, where you decided like, I need to be educating not only people, but also practitioners so that we can get better information out there into the world. Yeah. I mean, the practitioner training, and I educate now about 4,000 practitioners a year, which is pretty phenomenal. It's such a great opportunity and I feel so privileged to do it, but it was born over time. And my original journey into healthcare, as is true for many of us, arose from a family health crisis. So my husband, Isamu, was my late husband, was diagnosed with a very grave brain tumor when I was just seven weeks pregnant. And so that was a big wake up. I was already interested in food and nutrition, but it wasn't really in the health arena as much as just kind of manage my own little things, which I think were the precursors to my autoimmunity, looking back and understanding and knowing what I know now. So I think of that time 
with my husband during my pregnancy as my nutrition boot camp because of course we had to do all the medical work, but nobody was advising us of the things that we could do between the surgeries, between the radiation, between the chemotherapy to really own our own self-care. So he was given six months to live. This is back in April of 2000. He lived two and a half years. So he died when our son was 19 months old. And my autoimmune diagnosis came years later. No surprise to you and I, knowing that pregnancy in and of itself can be a trigger for autoimmunity. So for me, it's been a real journey to the work I do today, educating so many, but also in my own care as somebody who is going through a huge medical crisis with a family member and then my own medical crisis with my own autoimmune diagnosis. Mm. That's a lot. It's a lot to be going through and being a single mama, raising your son at the same time. I want to talk a little bit about the advent of that diagnosis for you. Do you find when, when you finally got diagnosed, how long do you think it was that you were struggling with an autoimmune condition before you were able to identify? Yeah, that's such a great question because as we know, it usually takes at least three years, four doctors, there's that time period where we have the signs and symptoms that just aren't going away and people are not quite listening to what we're trying to say. I call this medical gaslighting. It might be medical gaslighting light, but it's that situation where we're trying to show up, raise our hands, say something's going on for me. And it was for me labeled many different things before it was labeled Hashimoto's. And it was a frustrating process because I knew something was going on in my body. I couldn't identify it. And everybody was looking through what I'm going to call their mono lens, whether it's adrenal fatigue or it's small intestinal bacterial, it's everybody, metal toxicity, you know, whatever was in vogue at that time, we tend to be seen through that lens. And so there's a lot more awareness about Hashimoto's now than there was when I was trying to find my way. So I actually was able to determine it for myself before it received the label from a practitioner. So I wanted to just have you share that because I had a feeling <laughs> that that was very much the situation. Um, when I was diagnosed with Hajimoto's, I'm guessing I had had it for two to three years where it really was noticeable for me. Yep. And I kept getting put in the bucket of adrenal fatigue, yep. of, you know, and of stress and cut your calories, you know, exercise more, <laughs> like just the basic run of the mill advice, you know, labs within that mono lens looked normal. And so I just wanted to just speak into that because light gaslighting, median gaslighting, gaslighting of any kind, especially when it comes to autoimmune conditions, when it, predominantly those who get it are women, we see that it can take a long time to get that diagnosis. And I just wanted you to share your story. So once you were able to identify, like you're like, okay, this is what's going on with me. What were some of the steps? What were some of the, the things that you began to implement knowing that you had, had walked through this really massive journey with your husband? Yeah. And at the time, I want to say I was eating like the healthy diet, right? Like I was eating what I thought was like a brilliantly healthy diet because we had changed our diet 
when my husband was sick. And this, with my own diagnosis, didn't happen till years after he had passed away. So as you said, I'm a single mom. I'm putting myself back through school while working full-time, starting a business, all the stress. You could see how somebody would be like, oh yeah, adrenal fatigue, stress. But that actually isn't a bit of an energizer bunny, knock on wood. Wasn't my thing. It was something going on with my thyroid and my hormones. So for me, I don't take a target practice approach. My approach is what I like to think of as the three tiers or the three roots. How do we work in our circle of influence so we're not just reliant on what the provider can recommend to us? So in my three tiers, I think of it as tier one, non-negotiables, tier two, deficiency to sufficiency, and tier three, dismantling dysfunction. I think in most medicine, not functional medicine, hopefully, but in most medical practices and as patients, we're often looking for the tier three issue or approach. Like, what do I need to do for this? What's the fix? Where's my medication, even if it's compounded? And the way I go in is more into what I think of as the soil. What are my non-negotiables? What do I need to pay heed to? And non-negotiables for me might've been eliminating certain foods, like for me, refined sugar, gluten, dairy, not necessarily right for everybody. I'm not recommending that. But also, what do I know to be true for myself? Like my bedtime and starting to define what do I need in my life to help nurture myself? What is my movement like? What are my relationships like? Where do I need social time? Where do I need downtime? Where do I need inspiration in my life? So I really like to help people understand what their non-negotiables are. And we might be working on deficiencies at the same time, but when we sit in this area, we actually sit more deeply in our circle of influence. So for me, it was all the things. It was sleep and relaxation, exercise and movement, nutrition and hydration, stress and resilience practices, and my relationships and networks and understanding what I needed in each of those areas through trial and error. Mm. And I so important. I think that is a part of that health journey. Yes. Andrea, honey, did you, when you were looking at kind of, okay, this is what's going on with me. This is what's happening. Was there ever kind of the thought or the conversation within you that was like, well, how, how is this happening? What, what is even happening to me? Like, what's going on? Like, we definitely know pregnancy could be a trigger up for Haji's trauma. Overcoming something big could be your gut just not always being the happiest camper. Stress can play a major role here. Nutrient deficiencies is, is a part of that. So when you were digging into not only just non-negotiables, like what were non-negotiables for you, not only for addressing this autoimmune condition, but also just addressing the way that you want your body to feel. Because I think yes. that some of those non-negotiables are like, whether I've got this autoimmune condition or not, this is a wake-up call for me to say, okay, here are the non-negotiables for myself. But was there any investigation or digging into of like, how did I land this? Or like, yeah, oh. <laughs> totally. I was just curious. And, and what, and in that discovery, were there some things that you implemented when you figured out or when you kind of wanted to go into that inquiry? 
Yeah. So it's hard for me not to think in my approach now, right? Like in how, what I was doing manifested into the approach that I teach, because I think I was doing it intuitively and now I've almost like encapsulated mm-hmm. it, right? So if we look at those three roots and it's yeah. like the three-legged stool that we think of in functional medicine that uh, Alessio Fasano defined, those roots are the genes, digestion, and inflammation. So just like you spoke about, right, those gut issues, the stress. But I like to think about the fact that like, it's not our job to fix the roots. It's our job to get into that soil, like I said, that surrounds those roots. So around each of those roots, I have a circle of influence that allows us and allowed me when I was doing it more intuitively to think about what those things are. So around the genes, There's a common metaphor used for the genes that I'm not going to use, but I'm going to say we get dealt a deck of cards, a hand of cards, like in a game of poker, and we get to choose how to play it. So for me, the whole way that I approach things is going from the why me, which you're talking about, to the, oh, me, like this is my truth. These things have all been... activated. My genes were here. There's digestive issues. There's inflammation issues. This is the hand I've been dealt. How do I play with it? So Mm -hmm. the circle of influence around the genes is the food, the movement, the environment, and the mindset. The circle of influence around digestion is the mechanical, chemical, structural, microbial. And when I say these things, they're not a one and done. It's always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And that digestion piece is so important because from my vantage point, we cannot talk about nutrition without talking about the form and function of our digestive system. And that inflammation route, so genes, digestion, inflammation, is to clear, calm, enhance and modulate. I may be clearing a food. I may be clearing a microbial infection. I may be clearing a toxin. I may be clearing a negative mindset. But for me, it was really thinking through that kind of matrix perspective that I can now speak about the way I'm talking about it. But I was just naturally recognizing that I can't snap my fingers and change my immune system's attack on my thyroid tissue that I had to kind of get in there and play around with all the things. So I don't know if that answer answers your question about what I did, but I think I I go broad and that's what I naturally did as opposed to seeking the selenium or the zinc. I mean, that understanding is important too. Mm, Yeah. And I was thinking, I was thinking about in my own journey, I remember getting the diagnosis and it was the year I was 38. It was the year that I, we were, we had just gotten back from Italy and we were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to start gearing up to get pregnant. And I was like, I want a full workup. I haven't been feeling a hundred percent. The Italy trip was really lovely, but like I, it was time to come in and just really prepare. Like I was so intentional about bringing this, my little, my little super baby into the world. And I just knew there was this, like, although we had run labs and I kept getting the, no, you're good. Like, you know, there's just this gut feel, this intuition that you got to lean into. And so sure enough, got them. Yes. Yep. There it is. The, uh, the Hajimoto's diagnosis. And 
And I, I remember that the nutrition piece was the first piece um, yes. that I knew that le- that intelligence that we we put into our bodies, that information, those nutrients, loving my gut, you know, protecting my liver. Like those were the things I just knew those were non-negotiables. And yes. then working on a lot of those other pieces too. Like how was my sleep? How was my movement? What's my level of stress on the day to day? Like, let's take a look at all of these. But I feel like nutrition was such a major, probably the foundation of how I was able to, similar to you, you know, move out of 95% of my symptoms. Um, And I'd love for you to speak into that. Took a whole year. I just devoted an entire year to just uh, nurturing and discovery and trying to figure out like how to really get my body back to a place of equilibrium. Clearly we were looking at labs too, but like how I felt like, you know, then gave myself another six months to prime up for baby Kingston. And so, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it was smart. this whole like journey. And I know, and I know so often when, when people are listening to the show and people are listening to such an incredible expert and educator like yourself, and they have this gut feeling, this intuition that something yeah. isn't right. And, but they're getting the run of the mill. I'm only going to run your TSH, or I'm not going to look at your thyroid labs again. We looked at them a year ago, or I won't run your hemoglobin A1C again, because, you know, it was not pre-diabetic yet. Really what I wanted to get from that was, you know, when we're, when we're in that kind of, we're not sure we're getting the right answer. We're not sure where to start. How does that journey look or how does, how would that journey start for some of us who we're not even quite sure we, we know what we're dealing with? Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And I don't like when we get so focused on what we're looking for outside of ourselves. So Mm -hmm. the truth is, even if you have a diagnosis, you're going to need to do the work at home. So the way I think about it is take care, like actually take it. Like it is yours to take, whether you have the diagnosis or not. What happens is we go on this quest, this sympathetic driven quest for the answers. And I'm not saying we don't do that, but there needs to be a balance between what we're doing to support ourselves when we have those clues that something isn't right at the same time. And so the first thing to do is what do I know are my non-negotiables? Like people will tell me I can't sleep unless I take my magnesium. Great. That's a non-negotiable for you. I can't drink alcohol or green tea. Everybody's talking about green tea, but it makes me feel X. We know some of our non-negotiables. We just innately know them. I really encourage people to write them down, to bank on them. And those non-negotiables might mean I need cuddle time with my honey once a week. I need to listen to podcasts that really inspire and energize me. Like really know your non-negotiables and spend time nurturing those. That for me is step one while you're looking, while you're trying to find out more. Because when we're doing those things as a baseline, we have more fortitude to do more for ourselves, to trial new things. I also think it's more important that we tune into ourselves than all the noise out there that's telling us to do things or take things or eat a certain way that isn't necessarily right for us, that can be more triggering. So we have to be careful with the information, you know, whether it's a keto diet or intermittent fasting, it's information, 
but it may not be the right information for you. So I think we've lost sight of tuning in. We know something's wrong, but we bypass it to trial what we think is going to be the next best thing or to find that next pill protocol or practitioner. So I think we got to spend more time banking in what we do know about ourselves. And there's clues and information there to do the methodical next steps. Like you were talking about, took a year to take care and to do some of that healing. And then you prepared your body for pregnancy, which is so smart. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was thinking about, cause I know, you know, I've asked my community before, like just what brings you joy? Like what are the things that you love to bring exactly. you joy? And sometimes they don't know because they haven't done that inquiry. And yes. so I was thinking about the non-negotiables and even within the, the realm of intermittent fasting or the realm of keto cycling or whatever, we'll throw it out there that whether you've experimented with these things or not, or hit training, what is it within the realm that your body can do? Like for instance, a great, a great example is one of the ways, well, how I kept getting diagnosed with the adrenal fatigue was that after an hour hit workout, I was fully depleted. Yes. And I was just fighting my way through these workouts and on the, on the other side of it, a complete mess and taking a big, like I just knew I needed three months off from all of that. Totally. Like my body needed a major recovery, but I also wanted to get back to maintaining. I always loved working out. I always loved building muscle mass. I oh, it felt good. It was a stress reliever. So what does this new version of me look like where I get to do this, but I also yes. get to do this within the realm of what feels good for my body and that I don't push the envelope to exhaustion. And so, you know, it's, it's weight training. It's 20 minutes max. Yeah. And I feel great. I feel energized, maybe 25, but anything past 30, it, it's like I hit a proverbial cliff. Like I just go straight down. And so that, I love that permission of that you're giving us to just experiment, to find out and to write down. Cause I think inquiry here is so important. Like some of us may unconsciously know our non-negotiables, but we've right. never written them down. Yes. And, and getting super clear about what those are. Or some of us may know that something isn't right, but we're unconsciously just the freight train going through because we are the single mom, we've got the family to run, we've got the business to run, we got the blinders on like the little horse and we are running the race. And so I, I really love the idea of us, what do I, like on the day-to-day tuning in, like what can I tune into? Like maybe at night, just going back through our day and saying, okay, wow, I did this thing, but it didn't serve me. Like right. I didn't feel super great after it, or I did this other thing and man, that was something that made like taking magnesium before bed or doing an Epsom salt bath before yes. bed. Like that felt so good. So I, I love the idea. Like I just wanted to put more, more like clarity to it of like, how do we sit down with ourselves? How do we sit down an inquiry about our bodies? Then starting to curate that list versus chasing the thing. Exactly. And so much of what you're talking about, and I love that you spoke about the 25 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, not more than 30 minutes of your weight training, right? This is where we actually can also adhere to these things that make us feel good. When they're really big, when we make them too big, they're sprints. And the truth is that 
managing and chronic, a chronic condition like an autoimmune condition or any chronic condition, like you mentioned at the beginning, chronic fatigue, whether it's cancer, whether it's fibromyalgia or PCOS, chronic health conditions need a different approach. So we're still applying what you know the economist Daniel Kahneman thinks of as fast thinking to problems that require slow thinking. So our medical system has fast thinking in place and down pat where it's necessary. Like, thank goodness you go to the emergency room and they've got fast thinking. Unfortunately, most of our healthcare is a fast thinking model and a chronic condition that is hard to manage requires slow thinking. It requires that slow down, angling in from a different perspective. It's not just one thing. Your Hashimoto's is different than my Hashimoto's. So we got to the tipping point where we received the same label, but we received that label and our bodies did something similar for very different reasons. So taking that three-tiered or that three-root, that approach that allows us to find our way in and check in with ourselves and think what's right for me is what leads to more sustainable results. I worry, Marisa, that with all the noise out there, that sometimes, especially women looking for the quick fix, actually end up doing ourselves more harm than good, adopting principles that aren't right for our bodies at that time. Oh, 100%. That's definitely (laughs) happening. I mean, we've been trained to think about a fast thinking model. We're trained to desire the fast thinking model because that's what we've always been, many of us were brought up with. And so, yeah, and and absolutely can do us more harm than good in certain circumstances, especially when many of us, what we're addressing isn't always an acute concern. It is more of a chronic concern. Correct. Like you and myself, you know, yes. whether they may look like different, although the, the label's the same, yes. the, how, how we both came about that label very differently and how we manage it could be very differently, but it's always something that you and I are actively managing. Yes. Um, I'm always mindful, especially as a, as a new mama to a toddler. <laughs> I am so mindful about what the day-to-day looks like so that I've got not only for myself, feeling great for myself, but then also showing up as the mama I want to be. And I know that all comes into play too. (laughs) Yeah, that's such an important piece of it because you found your purpose, both as a mama and wanting to be present And also as a partner and as a businesswoman, I think that when we have found and tapped into that passion and that purpose, that becomes a bigger driver than what it feels like we might be missing out on by deciding to go to sleep at 9.30 or 10 p.m. or waking up at 5 a.m. to be able to get in some movement or some prayer or whatever it is that works. The risk-reward ratio is very different when you're driven towards something that's calling you. And for some people, I know that's you know a higher power. And for some people, it's a higher purpose but allowing ourselves to actually come into 
what some people call our why really is the bigger driver that puts everything else in perspective so that we're not feeling like we're missing out by taking care of ourselves. Mm, I agree. Yes, 100%. When we've got purpose behind whatever that purpose may be, there's a a full on a bigger commitment to really honor ourselves in the process, because we know that by doing that, we get to honor the thing that matters a lot to us. I agree with you. Yeah, like I know that so many mamas listening to this conversation today can really relate about taking care of themselves to be there for their families. Or and it can be like I said any purpose. I know that is a huge resonant resonating for me. Like I saw that purpose well before Kingston came in. <laughs> totally. I love that. I love it. And I love that we're at different phases, you know, in our mamahood. I mean, I was just saying my son's 21 and he has his first internship in New York City across the country from me, but I'm still the mama, you know, I'm still holding that place. And I think we want to be present and evolve and become the women that we are meant to be as mamas, as partners, as creators, whatever it is, but really allowing that to inspire our moves in the world. Oh, 100. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I'm just so happy for you, you know, getting to see your son thrive and being in that different phase of, of, you know, what is that new evolution for you look like as well? You know, it's so interesting as we're talking about different phases and different evolutions in our lives where, you know, kind of bringing back to that inquiry of like where we want to focus, who do we want to become? How do we want to feel moving into this next evolution? Because every one of us at some level are in some kind of transition and we're moving into that next thing and doing that inquiry, knowing who you are, that is about owning your health story. Is there anything else, Andrea, about owning your health story that you want to, you want to really help us focus into? Yeah, I think that there is that piece of that looking outside. I want to return just for a minute to that moment of medical gaslighting, because I think so many of us women have experienced where we are dismissed. I mean, historically, we've been dismissed for issues we're experiencing that aren't heard for what they are or aren't investigated. And I did really think through, like, how do we heal from that experience? And the three steps I came up with are, first of all, we have to forgive ourselves for the fact that that happened to us. And I've been in situations where, like I said, I was uh, seen as an adrenal fatigue case when that wasn't my issue, where I'm like in stirrups getting my annual women's exam and the doctor's not even looking to me and talking to me about birth control like six months after my husband died. And I'm trying to say like, not my issue right now, right? So there's those situations where we're just not seen for who we are and you leave those situations feeling the brunt of them. And that's not healthy either. That's its own little micro trauma that happens to us over and over and over again. So I think when we walk out of those situations and we have the awareness, like that didn't feel right. I didn't feel seen. First thing, forgive yourself. You did not know it was going to happen. And I think that that's true of other situations where we find ourselves like in a less than, that we feel less than ideally received, which happens a lot too as women. So forgive yourself. Number two is explore your options. So not all of us have the opportunity to go, that sucked, 
I'm picking another doctor, right? That's not always the situation. And there's a number of reasons we might have to stick with the doctor we're seeing or that it seems like we can't just take it into our own hands. And I think at that moment, it's about shifting our expectations to manage our medical relationships more. If you can't get what you want, you can't get that full thyroid panel, it's okay. Get what you can out of that doctor and see if there's another way to take care of yourself as if you know something more or you can support yourself without the knowledge that you're seeking in that moment. Because I, I don't know about you, Marisa, but I see so many people spending so much energy frustrated that their doctor won't run a functional lab test that they think is going to give them all the answers. First of all, that one test isn't going to give you all the answers. And second of all, there's other ways in. We don't want our doctors doing things they don't understand. Like it's not their fault either. We have to honor the expectation of what that doctor can do. Another one people come to me with a lot is what if my doctor doesn't believe that my diet actually matters? I'm like, who cares? Your doctor doesn't, you don't talk to your doctor about like what you made for dinner or when you clip your toenails. Like they got 17 hours of nutrition training in school out of their near 47,000 hours of training go to somebody or look for the information that's trusted for you. So second one in there is to consider your options. So forgive yourself, consider your options. How do I shift my relationship? And the third one is what we're coming back to. Take care. What does that mean for you? What could look different? How do you track for yourself? Get that list talking that we were talking about of your non-negotiables. And then if you want to try something, track how you feel. I'm big on tracking. I think it's, I call it the art of our practice. So you assess, what do I like to do? You think about what am I going to recommend to myself or to others? And then I track and that informs my next step. And don't do it all at once. Don't take 10 supplements at the same time to begin with. Like you can't track and it's not the scientific method if you're doing too much or introducing too much change at once. So I hope that's just clear and like, it's kind of like back up and take stock versus like, oh, go do this or take that. Mm -hmm. I love this. I love this so much. This is ownership. Ownership, you know, like agency. You, go, you go to your, exactly, it's agency. You go to your primary. Your primary isn't a, f- a functional practitioner. They're not a hormone doctor. It's like trying to buy milk at the hardware store, you know? Exactly. And, and so you're just not going to get what you would, they're just not going to have milk there. And exactly. um, and that is okay, as you're okay with that too, as, as you mentioned. Exactly. And you're right, that one test isn't going to make or break the lifestyle, the habits, the knowing your body. It just isn't. And I talk a lot about on this show of like, I know so often we want to know the thing. We want to know what it is because we've been programmed to know that we need to know the thing. I was like, but listen, the diagnosis or not, the things that you're going to do to love up on your body, you can do those without the diagnosis, you know, and, and there are so many side benefits 
to you taking in those non-negotiables, whether you've got the lab or not to give you that full on full diagnosis, whether I had the Hajimoto's diagnosis or not, loving up on my gut and supporting my central nervous system and helping to reduce my stress levels and taking a break from the HIIT training. Like it was, it was all a win whether I saw the labs or not. And so I'm so grateful that you're saying that because I know so often women are so this women, that's who's listening to this show, girl. Is they're so angry? They're just <laughs> yes. like they won't do it. Like I'm so right. angry, and I'm just like, you know what? Like screw them, you know. Yes. And and it's it's you. Guess what? It's your body. It is you have agency over your body. You get to make the choice the choices over your body. They don't get to dictate that for you. Exactly. And you get to decide, like, you know what? This is my show. This is my radio yeah. rodeo. Like I get to bring in information. I get to listen to the show. I get to read books that feel good to me. But at the end of the day, it is my decision, my choice. And the more that we get more comfortable with that and yes. we feel good about that, then it is a heck yes. And I was about to ask you about tracking, actually, because I was going to say, where do you stand on that? Because as I feel, that's how we really get to know our bodies. Because as I yes. mentioned, it is easy to put the blinders on, you know? Totally. Yeah. And so much of what you said is just so important. And people who have diagnoses are celebrating for like a minute because they know what it is. And then they're back to the same place we are when we don't have the diagnosis. And that's just the reality when we're looking at chronic healthcare, right? So different situation than when we're looking at acute care. So I'm a huge fan of all sorts of tracking. I love to food, mood, poop tracking when it's appropriate. So if somebody is triggered by tracking their food, we have a lot of people now aware of body dysmorphia, growing up in diet culture and wanting to shift out of anti-diet culture. For me, tracking isn't about counting calories or about judging. It's about having the data that we can then step back and understand what might have been correlated to each other, right? So food, mood, poop tracking, that mood I put in quotation marks or air quotes, because it's any sign or symptom. It's not just our psychological mood, it's our physiological mood. And I like looking at that for three to five days. Again, no judgment. We're not analyzing, we're not changing our diet during that time. We're just looking at what did I put into my body and how did I feel and how did I poop? And then we can step back and say, is there anything I can connect the dots on here for myself? Are there any things I can correlate? And then try out differently. Oh, I didn't eat breakfast that morning. I was tired that day or had more cravings that uh, lunchtime. Whatever it is, we can start to maybe see by tracking. I also like to track other details. I like to track our supplements. We make our clients track their supplements themselves because oftentimes we're taking things for reasons we don't understand. We don't even remember who recommended that we take them. We're just on kind of autopilot. It might even be that that supplement was meant to be for a short time, but it helped for a short time. And so we kept taking it. And that's where a place where we can get help from a advisor who can be looking and actually addressing deficiencies to understand why we are doing that. And I also love to have patients ourselves 
lab track. So regular old serum labs, not the hormone testing, not the stool testing, but that regular old serum labs. There's so much information there about our gross health. So the labs we get from the doctor, even if it's just a TSH with our CBC, which has all our blood counts in it, just tracking them and looking at them in almost a Sesame Street fashion. Like, did something change? Mm -hmm. Is it different? But that's, again, where we start to take a deeper level of agency in being able to show up and ask questions. One of the primary tenets of a functional practice should be a therapeutic partnership. And I really think that as patients, we have to become partners in our own healthcare. We can't be looking to our providers to be the God who's going to fix all, solve all. It is a partnership. And so owning that data for yourself allows you to show up and ask a whole different kind of question. Mm, I love that. And do you have, I don't know if it with women who are still cycling, do you have them track their cycle too? Oh, good point. Thousand percent. Talking as a postmenopausal woman, like thousand percent, yes, cycle tracking, which I did all the time mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. there were apps. <laughs> yes. And, but I'm just so grateful that there are apps now too, you know, to make things so much easier. And then one of the areas I found helpful was, was even movement tracking for me. I'm just like listening, like what is serving, what feels good, you know, and, and one of the, I had a limiting belief when I was younger that walking with the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And <laughs> I was like, if it's not hard, it's not worth it. And it was, uh, I had to dismantle a lot of that in a lot of areas of my life. And now walking is probably my preferred way of moving my body. And it was only through that inquiry that I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, this whole time I've been missing out. That was a huge part for me is just tracking movement because it was movement that was really, what really led me to that diagnosis was the burnout from exercise. And so I was so, you know, and I look back at it, I was so grateful for, I guess, in a way, pushing myself to the brink of like, girl, you need to look at this, you know? And so that's, I think is another little area that we could take a look at because a lot of us are over, we're overworking out, not all of us, but some of us, right? We're on the the hour Peloton and we're doing, we're doing the most because we were told to do so and, and looking at seeing how that supports you too. Yeah, I I really like how you're incorporating these different kinds of activities too. And in shorter periods of time, I think there's a big lesson there in terms of how we incorporate things into our life as well. Walking, I'm sure you can do with Kingston and get that into your life, right? So I wake up early in the morning and the first thing I do are posture exercise. I do a half an hour of like one minute movement over a half hour period. And it's not, I'm not working out, but I'm moving my body to start the day. And I do that before I do a 20 minute workout, right? But it's that morning time that's mine. It's just for me. And the shorter sprints have allowed me to stack on top of an existing habit 
and be able to support myself one step at a time without, I don't say I'm going to work out for an hour in the morning. I say I'm doing my half hour of posture exercises and I'm listening to something really motivating during that time. It's the entry to the day. And then I'm going to move my body a little bit more intentionally after that. But I'm able to stack instead of looking at, oh, it's the hour on the Peloton or it's not at all. Mm-hmm. That is such a, a profound way of looking at it. And it, and it just, it can, there's some, so much fluidity there too. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I'm just trying to think like, I I'm hoping as, as everyone's listening to this, like just kind of that gentle reevaluation of how we can really tune into ourselves, that it doesn't need to be about this chase. It doesn't need to be about like, I've got to get this. I need to figure out what's going on with me. Like I said, we talked so much about this is like, when you take a look at all of it, diagnosis or not, we've got to have that agency and we've got to listen. We have to be willing to listen to our bodies to find out what is right for us. I love that you've brought in so many tears of tracking as well. Andrea, honey, where can we, where can we tap in more to get yeah. more of, of you? I know that you are changing the world through educating practitioners out there so that, you know, that there is more of a relationship, that there is more a partnership when it comes to these healing journeys. So thank you for that. But I know that we can also plug in directly to you now as well. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Marisa. So if you go to andreanakiyama.com, that will lead you to the training, my podcast for practitioners. Although all people like to listen to it, you've been a repeat guest. It's been lovely. So they could search for you on my podcast page and then anything else that's coming up. I'm working on a book and all the information will be there. And the book is geared towards the patient population taking this kind of agency. I call it functional self-health care. So more about that at andreanakiyama.com. Perfect. And the podcast really quickly is the 15 minute matrix podcast. I'm going to have yeah. links for, for all of that inside of the show notes. And I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, you are always such a breath of fresh air, but you are literally helping to define the way that the direction in which medicine is moving into. And so I just want to say thank you for your incredible contribution to that work and for coming on the show and sharing just your brilliance. Just oh, oh. thank you so much. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thank you so much, honey. See you soon. Bye. It is so very clear that Andrea and I both believe that agency over your health is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself. And it is so empowering too. We will always need support and expert guidance, but we deserve to have partnership with our practitioners so that we are part of the journey. At the end of the day, we are the CEO of our health. That's how we can better have agency over our bodies. And that next step to becoming intentional listeners is really tapping into that gut feeling. What I have learned is that the solution to self-healing and getting back to a place of vitality is a lesson that took me many, many years to understand. And that is to just really own that self-awareness and that intuition. It's listening to our bodies. That first step is listening to those messages and that wisdom. When we begin to experience the signs and messages, that our bodies are giving us, we can create those non-negotiables and we can implement a plan to get us back on track. This is literally what Andrea is all about exploring when it comes to understanding that deep wisdom of your body. And she talks a lot about how to cultivate this in her podcast, The 15-Minute Matrix. 
Now, the episodes are literally 15 minutes. That's why it's called the 15-minute matrix. They are powerful and absolutely worth listening to. So I'm going to have a link to her website and the podcast in the show notes for you to go check her out. And as always, thank you so much for listening in to the Essentially You podcast. Today, more than ever, this show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. Now, if there's someone who needs to hear this message today, take a moment, shoot a text on over to them, literally right now, or share it on social, right? And if you do share it on social, be sure to hashtag hormone CEO, because this is how we continue to spread the word about hormone literacy. Until the next episode, I can't wait to see you then.